0: Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jeff Smith of Portland, Oregon. It is the 22nd of January, and it's Friday. Today, back in the day, January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court delivered the decision of Roe v. Wade, protecting a pregnant woman's right to choose an abortion in all 50 states. Today, just one year back in the day, January 22nd, 2020, China locked down the city of Wuhan and its 11 million people in an effort to control a novel coronavirus named COVID-19 after 2019, end of that year when it was first discovered. The official death toll a year ago was 17, or there were 500 people sick. And now, according to covid19.healthdata.org, we're over 2.2 million deaths. Today, back in the day, January 22, 1931, Paul Knowles Sr. was born Paul Knowles moved to Portland in 1963 to purchase the Cotton Club. It was a hub for great music for many years, hosted singers including Duke Ellington, Sammy Davis Jr., and Cab Calloway. Known as the mayor of Northeast Portland, Paul was a fixture on the front row of Blazer games for over two decades. He and his wife Geneva opened Geneva's Sheer Perfection, the hair salon, in 1971, which closed just last year as COVID-19 impacted so many businesses. An invitation for you from Albina Vision Trust. You can celebrate Paul Knowles' 90th birthday by tuning in to a virtual storytelling event including public officials, musicians, and community members celebrating this man. The event will be streaming live virtually on the World Arts Foundation Facebook page, the Albina Vision YouTube channel, and both the World Arts Foundation and the Albina Vision websites from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Friday, January 22nd. That's today. X-Ray. Today we will feature an interview with Paul Knowles with X-Ray's Bobby Smith from a couple years back. First up, it is time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Oregon will indeed vaccinate teachers before other priority populations. Governor Kate Brown plans to vaccinate Oregon's estimated 100,000 school employees in the next few weeks. The strategy is part of a controversial plan to reopen schools on February 15th. This decision will move school employees up in the vaccine waiting line ahead of older people, ahead of those with the highest risks of exposure, and that move goes against CDC recommendations. Some critics of the move also argue it's not equitable. The OHA's Vaccine Advisory Committee is tasked with building a vaccine sequencing plan with attention to health equity to meet the needs of systemically affected populations. The committee will determine the order of vaccination for groups after healthcare workers, seniors, and teachers. However, some are questioning why an equity lens was not also applied to the decision to vaccinate teachers first in the first place. It means the vaccinations will be delayed for many essential workers who, unlike teachers, cannot work from home at all. Some are glad their kids will be out of the house. Teachers are glad they'll be getting the vaccine. And some are worried it's in part the teacher associations throwing their considerable weight around.
1: And now your daily dose of data. Yesterday, the OHA reported 849 new cases of COVID-19. There were 11 new deaths. There have been a total of 1,843 deaths in Oregon caused by COVID. The case count was up from the previous day by over 100. Within those numbers, 123 of the cases were in Multnomah County, 110 were in Washington County, and 97 in Lane County. OHSU's drive-through vaccination clinic opened yesterday. OHSU partnered with Red Cross and the Port of Portland to open the clinic. It is located in a parking lot at the Portland airport. The vaccination clinic is currently an invite-only service for face phase 1a populations.
0: A historic local clinic has closed. The Lovejoy Surgis Center in northwest Portland closed last week. The clinic provided reproductive health services including abortions for almost 50 years. It was one of Oregon's first independent abortion providers providing abortions since around the time of Roe versus Wade. Something that set Lovejoy apart from other clinics was that it provided abortions through the end of the second trimester. The clinic has long been the subject of anti-abortion protests. Oregon Right to Life released a statement acknowledging the closure, celebrating the efforts of pro-lifers who protested on the sidewalk outside of Lovejoy for many years. That said, a statement on Lovejoy's website says the clinic will reopen under new management and in a new location at the beginning of March.
1: Inauguration protesters clashed with police. On Wednesday, Portland saw celebrators as well as protesters react to Joe Biden's inauguration Protesters took to the streets in the city's inner east side. At least 100 people gathered at Revolution Hall and then marched west. Cops were present at the scene before the event began, saying they had seen it promoted on social media. The crowd chanted anti-police and anti-Biden phrases, as well as, land back. One banner read, we don't want Biden. We want revenge for police murders, imperialist wars, and fascist massacres. Some protesters paused at the Democratic Party of Oregon offices to spray paint and smash its windows. Later in the evening, the crowd marched to the nearby ICE building where clashes with police escalated. Journalists at the scene reported that large volumes of tear gas and other less than lethal munitions were deployed by the police. At least eight arrests were made.
0: The population of gray whales is dropping off of Oregon's coast. Research released this week shows the gray whale population off the U.S. west coast has dropped by a quarter since 2016. Data from NOAA, that's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, was included in the report. Their surveys counted about 6,000 fewer migrating whales last winter compared with five years ago. According to NOAA, there was an unusual mortality event in 2019. Dozens of gray whales washed up on Pacific beaches that year because researchers aren't clear. They think it could just be within the normal levels for population fluctuation. Gray whales were hunted nearly to extinction during the mid 20th century. They were finally removed from the endangered species list in 1994. We're rooting for your gray whales.
1: Some good news. Oregon's graduation rates have risen. Newly released data shows the state's high school graduation rate is two points higher than the previous year, showing a 10 point increase from six years ago. With data included from the Class of 2020, Oregon's four-year graduation rate is now 82.6%. Oregon's five-year completion rate, including students who earn GEDs or modified diplomas, is 87.2%, another improvement. The graduation rate for the state's homeless students rose five points, it is now at 60%. The 2020 data also shows improvements in graduation rates for Latino and African-American students. State officials say that pandemic rule changes may have contributed to the low dropout rate last year. The 10-day drop rule was suspended, and it appears that students were kept engaged via distance learning. The dropout rate for 2020 was 2.38%, the lowest it's ever been. And And that's today's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. Up next, X-Ray's Bobby Smith sits down with Paul Knowles Sr., Ken Berry, and J.W. Friday to talk about Portland's music scene and the influence of the Cotton Club and Geneva's.
2: Hello and welcome to the first in a series of community conversations for X-Ray TV. Today we are joined by Mr. Paul Knowles Sr., known to many as the mayor of Northeast Portland.
3: Honorary. Honorary Honorary Mayor of Northeast
2: Portland. We're also joined here by Mr. Ken Berry, as well as Mr. JW Friday. And throughout our time today, we'll discuss Mr. Nall's contribution to the social, cultural and musical livelihood here in Portland. Um, If possible, I'd like to go ahead and start from the top. Paul, I understand that you came out west from Arkansas to the Northwest as a young man. Um, You eventually made your way to Portland, where in 1963, you took ownership of the Cotton Club an establishment many have credited as laying the foundation for soul music in Portland. Perhaps you can fill us in on that journey that brought you
3: here. Oh, uh, born in uh, Huntington, Arkansas, moved to Fort Smith when I was uh, five, uh, let's say seven years old, and then graduated from uh, Lincoln High School in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas in July of 1949. 21 days later, I was in the United States Air Force, stationed at San Antonio, Texas, Lackland Air Force Base. And uh, then I was shipped to Spokane, Washington, to Fairchild. From Fairchild there, after 12 years in the service, and not 12 years in service, but working in Spokane, I uh, came to Portland and bought a nightclub.
2: I uh, understand it, that the Cotton Club was known as the only place in the West with wall-to-wall soul. Perhaps you could describe the venue as well as the national and local acts that play there.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, you have a, a spot and you want to have a little catchy name or something, you know, so I came up with that, you know, the only nightclub on the West Coast with wall-to-wall soul. And that's how I would close every night with that phrase, you know. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you've been the only sp- only spot on the West Coast with wall-to-wall soul. And then everybody would, you know, I said, you guys don't have to go home, but you got to get out of here. Then we close the doors and everybody go home, you know.
2: That's (laughs) something. I mean, a lot of great acts came through there. Um, Perhaps you could speak to that.
3: Yeah, uh, well, we booked most of our acts. Uh, We did a lot of uh, local talent that uh, came right out of Portland. But uh, we would bring in acts from California, Los Angeles. Luva Sun was my agent down there. but. I remember the one night uh, we had booked Etta James, and uh, she came over for a rehearsal. And my drummer had already called and said that uh, he was going to be ill that night. So where am I going to get a drummer tonight? So guess who lives across the street? His name is Ronnie Steen. He's still uh-huh. around, playing everywhere in Portland. You yeah. know, great drummer. I went over and said, Ronnie, you ever played a show? He says, No, I haven't. I said, Well, you got to play one tonight. Get your sticks. Come on out. Over. over here to rehearse. You know. And uh, so he came over and he got to playing that night, you know. and it was just like real loud though. And said, stop the music, stop the music. She says, you little so-and-so, if you don't give me a backbeat, Ronnie said, hey. <laughs> and that's Edna because if you saw the movie, cat Records, <laughs> Edna didn't take no mess. Yeah, she didn't take oh. no mess. Anyway, she was one of the biggest acts that became big um, One of the acts that came big because it was the Chitlin' Circuit. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody had a place to go and work and get your trade down. And then once you got your trade together, then you went for the big time. Mm. I remember the night uh, my uh, wife went to see Sammy Davis Jr. (laughs) And uh, she came in, she came back from the concert. She said, honey, Sammy said he might come over. I said, Sammy who? She said, Sammy Davis Jr. I said, honey, Sammy Davis Jr. is not gonna come over here, you know. About an hour later, he walked in. I said, oh, Mr. Davis, how are you? I said, You got any food? So I took him out in the restaurant. He ate. Then I went back. I says, Honey, 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 guess who's here? Sammy's here. She says, Sammy, who? <laughs> 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 Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> anyway, he stayed there. He got up and did three songs with my uh, band, little three piece uh, combo. And uh, Then that night, he stayed there until about 4 o'clock, taking pictures with everyone that wanted to take a picture with him. It was really, really, really nice, you know. We have a young local group that went national. They call themselves uh, the Three Little Souls. Anyway, they played at the Cotton Club. They came in with five people. And their uh, manager was Teddy Anderson, which was their brother, a cousin. I said, Teddy, I can't pay five people. I'm sorry. If you can cut it down to three, I can put them to work on weekends, you know? And uh, so they came back about six weeks later and were they ready? Oh my gee, they put on a show and everybody just started flocking to the Cotton Club, you know, to see these three little kids performing, you know. Well, finally, uh, I I couldn't pay them as much as they wanted. And, you know, after that, they started getting big and uh, they went to work out at the three star out on Barbara Boulevard and somebody filmed them out there and they sent it to California they gave it to Sammy Davis and then Sammy of course brought them down there they started playing in the Copacabana it was a great group they later had to change their name to Sunday's Child mm-hmm. because Three La Soul was already registered so it was a good it was a good uh, venue uh, going through uh, the Cotton Club mm-hmm. we had uh, all types of musicians you know come through The night I opened up in 1963, it was about uh, August, in the middle of August, my opening night. Mel Brown was my drummer. He was going to Portland State. So Mel Brown and uh, Hank Sworn, along with Minnie Wilson, that was the band that was playing that night. And man, it just—it was just amazing. Male was, you know, he, he's great now. Mm-hmm. He was even great then. I'm you sure. Hank Sworn left and went with Earl Garner. Uh, started playing with him, and of course, Male wound up with the Martha and the Vandellas. From there, the Temps. And then he—then no, he, then they went to the uh, the other group, uh, not the Temps, the Four Tops. Ah. Then he went to the Temps, and then of course, I'm watching TV one day, and Dinah Ross is there. In, in, in the um, New York City, the big uh, park. What's the name of that park in New York City? Central Park. Mm-hmm. It's raining it's so hard, and Mel Brown's on there playing the drums. Wow! Right up there. I says, oh my God, <laughs> They almost called the concert off, but it was so many people.
2: Sure. Who put this
3: concert on? Anyway, uh, Mel is uh, the, one of the premier drummers. He's still mm-hmm. in Portland, still working.
2: And at some point, Mel and Hank uh, joined forces with Billy Larkin. Uh, Billy Larkin and the Delegates, did they play in your venue as well?
3: Yeah, well, yeah, after Benny uh, left, uh, then, of course, uh, uh, Billy Larkin, he walked in with some house shoes on, looking like a homeless person, you know. And I didn't really know music, so he says, I'm an organist. Like, dig! I'm an organ player and I'm looking for a job. I said, Well, Billy, why don't you go in there? The organ's up. We had a B three on stage. Why don't you go in there and see what show me what you can do? I didn't know whether you could play or not. So I called Mr Thompson, which I had purchased the club for said, Mr T, would you come over and check this guy out and see if he's really an organ player? And after he came he said, Yeah, Mr. He no, he's a real deal. I said, Okay, Billy, we got a job. He says okay Billy, come on, let's go get you some clothes. Because oh, when he left yeah. Alaska, he was in Alaska, and he left Alaska. He left with the clothes he had on. His shoes was ragged. It was just terrible, you know. Got him a haircut, got him all set up. And he went to work that night.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's something.
3: And could play. Yeah. They put that in, you, You're familiar with Pig Me, the song that the they 45. recorded? The 45, yeah. Oh, my gee. That song, it went national. Mm-hmm. It was, world pacific I saw, I saw i saw a male probably eight months ago i said guess what oh, I, said, I got a royalty from england somebody recorded <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> so, here it is 50 years later wow somebody re- re-recorded the record you know and to reissue it they pay everybody. Everybody gets paid once you uh,
2: sure. Once
3: you do something with music.
2: Well, we're, we're fortunate to be sitting here with two wonderful musicians from around this period in time, Mr. Ken Berry, Shades of Brown, JW Friday from the Cavaliers. Perhaps uh, both of you would be willing to speak about your experiences with the Cotton Club. Well, for,
4: for me, I was a young, inexperienced child, trying to find my way in the world of music. And graduating from Jefferson High School in 1967, playing in church, but I wanted to expand just a little bit more. So I heard about this place called the Cotton Club. So I went down to the Cotton Club and ran to the mayor of Portland, Mr. Paul Knoss. Mr. Paul Knowles said, you're too young to come in here. I said, but I just want to get some experience, learn how to expand my music repertoire. And if I could just sit somewhere, I don't have to be with the the adults because I had just graduated from high school. He let me come and sit on that bar, 50 pounds lighter, of course, (laughs) and look through the little crack. And there I saw Etta James and Billy Larkin and all these fantastic people. And that's what got me started in playing the B3 Hammond. And that was 1967, when I graduated from high school. From that time on, I was one of the, one of the fortunate ones. Every, every once in a while, he would invite me to come fill in, you know, when somebody was absent. And when he moved the Cotton Club up to Geneva, just down the street on, on Williams Avenue. Yeah. And But what a joy it was for me, because with his very unique spirit about himself, that resonated professionalism, so I'm truly grateful to be sitting here, you know, uh, to to witness and absorb and contribute just a little bit what he has done for me personally and also hopefully represent some of the other people as well.
5: G-Dub? I think that this went appropriate because I, I was hoping you would say something before I did, because you got there before I did. But as a uh, young man, and it's funny that you allowed the kids to get to the door. The discipline, we never got past the door. You got to understand, this was, he was for real. He was too young, we couldn't get in. And he gave us the Cavaliers Unlimited, a great opportunity. And I had the sign for years, it said, one night only, the Cavaliers Unlimited. And James Thomas, Shag Thomas' son, our trumpet player, he tried to hit that, Ricky Bramish tried to steal it over the years, but he got lost in transition. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't have it hanging at their house, in a room they didn't show me. But you gave us opportunity. And you brought up Billy Larkin. And, and we got in because we were musicians and Billy was teaching me how to play with my left hand. And you emulated him so well, because I said, man, I don't have a left hand. He said, you got five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and so he began to show us and pick. I just I just started hearing pigmy in my mind mm-hmm. when you brought it up, but not just that Paul, just everything in reference to, the, not just the musicians, but the signature that you brought to entertainment in our city, the class, you and Geneva, Mm -hmm. side by side. And that tag team is still of the greatest. They talk about power couples, power couple with great class, style, finesse. And for me, another thing that I always remember uh, when we were trying to get the King holiday established Mm -hmm. and it was conversation of where should we have the people to come to? And I remember we were in a meeting, to Shahid, I think we need to go to Geneva's. That was our, our plug-in, our space. Right. You know, again with class and style, you at the door. Uh no, you can't come in. <laughs> <laughs> You're not old enough. But in that whole in the whole thing of all those years, uh glad to have experienced it. I tell my kids all the time, we've experienced the greatest. I don't know what you guys are getting, but we've experienced the greatest and, and that's who you
3: are. That's right. And that's the second time I've heard the name mayor. So let me straighten out how. Yeah, there you go. Of uh, being the mayor of Northeast Portland, Roy J, head of Clean Slate and the uh, African American Chamber. He came in one day. He was getting his haircut. He said, "Hey, Mister Mayor," and he has that voice, you know. "Hey, Mister Mayor," I kept walking. He said, "Mister Mayor, Mister Mayor," he's I'm gonna start calling you the Mayor of Northeast Portland. I said, Roy, I'm okay. No, 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 you're going to be the mayor. You, you're the mayor. I, I'm, I'm making you the mayor of Northeast Portland. So about a month later, there was a Dr. King birthday. And uh, the television people came over to see how I felt about Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. And so they said. Hey, uh, So you're the mirror of Northeast Portland, huh? I thought, oh my God. (laughs) So then after that, of course the newspapers got it, the Oregonian and Scanner and Portland Observer, all the newspapers use it. So now you go on Google and type in my name. It says, Paul Knowles, the honorary mirror of Northeast Portland. So let, that lets you know that you can't believe anything you read on the internet. <laughs> but I tell everyone, well, I guess I'm your mayor because you guys didn't vote me in. And so you can't vote me out, you know? <laughs> so,
4: the last so, year we so, gave
3: him a Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award with his name on
4: it. <laughs> to make it naturally recognized. Yes. He is the mayor of Alhambra.
3: So yeah. nobody change that. Yeah, in now Alfano. it's expanded to the whole area now. So I guess that's the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I heard the name Geneva's mentioned a couple times earlier, and just as a point of clarification, we began talking about the Cotton Club, but Geneva's uh, was sort of an extension of the Cotton Club. When you closed the doors of your first venue, you moved on to others. Geneva's was located over here on Williams, and throughout the 70s and into the early 80s, um, was also a home for musicians. As I understand it, it started out somewhat as a social club, but later began to um, house a lot of local musicians. Perhaps you could speak to that venue.
3: Let me go back tell you how I acquired Geneva's best, got the liquor license, and then she couldn't handle the crowd. She calls and said, you want to buy my place? I said, well, what are you asking? You know, she told me and I asked my wife, said, well, honey, we got a chance to pick up this other spot. She says, well, OK, if you think you can handle it, you know. And so we went on and purchased it, you know, and then we we started featuring just on Sundays. We had a B three organ. His name organist, his name was Count Dutch, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and we had Dennis Bradford, which he was twelve years old. Wow! And Dennis come in and play Sunday night. Had to be out by nine, you know. Mm-hmm. So it'd be from five to nine, <laughs> and Dennis is still playing drums. Yeah. You know, he's on the tour now. He tr- just yeah, tours. Wow. Um, um, ships the uh cruise lines? cruise lines yeah that's what he does now mm-hmm. and he has a brother that plays too so his brother go out and stay six months and then uh he goes out and stays six How months about his father play? playing trumpet too oh playing my playing god yeah. Just, yeah yeah he was quite a musician what was you name? know Is it bobby and bobby bobby bradford yes bobby Bradford. we right yes. had yeah, the musicians back though bobby bradford cleve williams oh my yeah. gee those yeah, guys it's... were musicians you know they really were Anyway, Geneva's turned in to be the spot, and uh, everybody after work, that's where they came, to Geneva's. Mm-hmm. I remember one day a gentleman said, Paul, I'm gonna have to stop coming here. He said, my uh, my son, we were in the car one day and I'm with my wife, and my son says to my wife, mommy, that granddad. that's my daddy's spot right there. <laughs> yeah became his spot, you know. He didn't stop coming, but he just wanted me to. <laughs> he just wanted to, to know that that's why they uh, you drive by and you see someone's car and you stop in. And I remember one night I got a call. says says uh, Commissioner Charles Jordan, which was a wonderful man. You know, he's responsible yes. for our park department the way it is today. Mm-hmm. And we have one of the most beautiful and organized parks departments in the country, the way he set it up. Uh, He put the swimming pool inside of Dishman Center down there, not Street Center. And uh, so he, uh, they called and said, I said, is there a birthday? He says, no. So the commission wants to learn how to do the uh, hustle. That was a dance then, like the electric slide and (laughs) the wobbling. (laughs) So he came over. We taught him how to do the hustle.
0: (laughs) The city commissioner. (laughs) The city commissioner. (laughs) Yes. 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 yes.
3: yes. He would walk in for lunch because we had a a soul food buffet line. Right. We Mm, have those big old ham hocks and we have greens, you know, macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Now, I've
2: heard that this lunch buffet was the first location that a live DJ performed in Portland. Is that true?
3: Yes, and and that would be, uh, his name is Tony Silby. because I'd gone to New York. (laughs) I'd gone to New York and I went down to Studio 54. That's where the DJ started, you know, and everybody. We didn't get in, but we went down there, but I could see through the door and Everybody knew what was happening. It was just the guy spinning records, you know. And so I came back, and Tony sealed me. I told him about it, and he said, what do you do? I said, well, you got this little closet right here. It's kind of like that. And we just put a, de- put a turntable in there, and you just spin records, you know. Wow. And uh, so Tony was <laughs> my wow. first, first. What year was that? I don't know. It, <laughs> Years go away. Yeah, <laughs> right.
5: <laughs> that is just incredible. One of the other things that I found fascinating, I remember when, when you were the uh, Grand Marshal for the uh, Rose Festival Parade, and uh, being an old drum major, that was something. But but more than that, even before that, being a Royal Rosarian.
3: No 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 no.
5: No. Not a Royal You're Rosarian, not a Rosarian. No, I never was. Okay no, no. okay. I thought you were a Royal right. Rosarian. Everybody thought I would be. Yes was, yes. But it fits. But <laughs> Grand Marshal. <laughs> Definitely was, and it brought us all out again to the parades.
3: Yeah, you know, everybody knows uh, Brenda Braxton. Yes. And so we we're downtown, and she's up there on her deal. She says, we came around the corner, and she says, Oh, and there's Paul Knowles, uh, the mayor of Northeast Portland. Uh, he, uh, well, everybody knows Paul. Let's talk about something else.
4: Uh, <laughs> well, you, can't, you can't overlook the fact that many times. When you look at the Trailblazer games, oh. they're taking shots at Paul No. I'm glad you and brought, the brought that newspaper up.
5: Yeah. As well. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's why I wore my Golden State Warrior hat tonight. Like, <laughs> I wore it on. I am a warrior for life. Right. And he is a Trailblazer and had the best seats. And it was all You could always know he was there. That was outstanding. But I did that with respect to
2: you because I know you are a true fan, and I'm a true fan. So, right. yes, indeed. There you <laughs> there go. And, yes, indeed. And speaking of, I think there's a great great segue there. It's a great story in that when the Blazers did win the championship, they decided that for an after party, they would like to come to Geneva's.
3: Yeah, they did. Well, what happened was uh, the night before, I went down on 7th and about Siskiyou, and there was some um, barricades there that they were working on the street. I thought, I'm going to barricade the street tomorrow if they win, so I put them, I had a pickup. I put them in my car, <laughs> my truck, I bought them <laughs> up, and <laughs> I, uh, so I called um, his name was uh James uh James Bowles. Yes. I said James, he was the first man that had the cart, the food cart, you know. And uh the name of his food cart is Mr. Sweet Meat. Yeah. And he sold hot dogs, you know. <laughs> that was his name. I said, James, I want you to sit up in the street across from Geneva's tomorrow. I'll pay you $25 for sitting up if they don't win, but if they do win, then you're on your own." He says, I got it, you know. And so after the game, of course, after we won the championship, I blocked the street off and uh, cars, you know, I just went out and blocked it and people started gathering in the street. Mm-hmm. And then Mayor Goldsmith came by, he said, Paul, what, what, what's with the street blocked off? I said, Neil, you wouldn't want people driving through here, people's all in the street, you know, and everything. So he called downtown and had them bring out some real barricades, you know, oh, <laughs> barricade wow. the street. And then uh, <clears throat> Lloyd Neal was the first one that arrived. Yeah. Then Corky arrived, and of course then Maurice Lucas. Mm-hmm. Then they kept coming. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great day, great day. <clears throat> then when the news media arrived, you know, we're going to go national. <laughs> and then everybody just started screaming and yelling, dancing in the park. Wow. I was on that. I was in there, man. I saw myself. I was very happy <laughs> right up. That, but
1: that uh, was a right uh.
5: signature that day. As soon as it was over, well, I'm going to Geneva, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and that was it. That was it. It was a great, great, great day. It really was. It really was. Uh, Barudi Arthur Reese said uh, he was he was in Oakland at that time, and he kept seeing me on TV. You know. And he said, he always wondered who I was or whatever. And of course, most people was wondering because to see an African-American on the front row like uh, Spike Lee, probably around the country, that's the only one they know, but I'd travel around the country and people said, man, I think I know you. I said, really, you ever been to Portland? No. I know Portland Trailblazers. You're the guy that sit on the front row. I never did tell my wife how much those seats cost because we wouldn't have been down there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had a good we had a good run. 30 years. 30 wow, years. Wow. Season ticket tickets, holders. He took 30 years. Very, very, very good times in Portland. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, just like I said. Y'all
0: not have to go home, but you got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks to Paul, Ken, J.W., and Bobby for joining The Local. Thank you to our intrepid production team, executive editor, Will Romy, supporting editors and writers, Jonathan covington Bram, Brian Miller, Julia Oppenheimer, Carly Quadros, Jaleesa Ringering, Miranda Selinger, Ryder Sherwood, and Sam Smargiasi. A huge thanks to co-executive producer, Emily Gilliland. I'm Jerson Smith. Thanks for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving what? Maybe a five-star review. And this week around the world, there are many people who are saying, thank you, democracy. Talk to you tomorrow.
4: X-Ray.